Cooper. So my days are always so full of surprises and just wonderful things. They always make me laugh, even when I'm sad. So, But even though they're making fun of some like Christian cliche things, right? Uh, the truth is, we all do that sometimes, don't we? We've all been there. We've all worn the WWJD bracelet, right? Come on. It's easy to kind of get, you know, in that comfortable habit of uh, walking out your faith and you see what other Christians may be doing and you're like, I got to do that too. Who would have thought you could do your devotion at Starbucks? I got to be there. And it's easy to get in that pattern of always seeing what other people are doing. You kind of get in that comfortable, comfortable pattern of just doing what other people do. I mean that like comfortable Christian. And uh, this is why I, I love this series that we're in. I just love this series that we're in, talking about starting a, a wildfire, uh, a movement of missional people here at Life Center North. And I, I don't want to be a comfortable Christian. I don't want to be that comfortable Christian that sees what others just are doing just because and put the bracelet on, you know? I, I, I want to see a movement of God sweep across Spokane and around the world. And I love the idea of a wild farty, wildfire. <laughs> I swear I'm not still on my pain meds from my surgery, all right? <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. <laughs> I love the idea of a wildfire starting in our church and sweeping across Spokane. I love that, and uh, I love listening the last couple weeks to Pastor Mike and Pastor Scott uh, just talking about it. It just gets me fired up, you know? I don't know if it's gotten you fired up a little bit, but it kind of gets in me, and I get excited about it. I, I think it's really neat on what God's doing in our church here, and part of our mission here at Life Center North is to boldly live and boldly share our faith, even if you don't do it well, right? Like me said weird words, you know, I know. Anyways. But that's our, part of our mission here. So today, I, I want to begin this conversation of what it means for us, what it means for us uh, to, to boldly live and share our faith. And I also want to share with you a few stories of different people in my life along the way. But I, I don't know about you, but uh, the idea of living and sharing my faith, it sounds okay with me. It sounds pretty cool. I think I would like to do that. I think I would like to live and share my faith. But when you attach the word boldly live and share your faith, that gets me a little uncomfortable. Like, yeah, I'm fine with living and sharing my faith, but boldly living and sharing your faith, that just, it like resonates a little bit different. Like that just seems like a little bit different. It makes me kind of uncomfortable. But if we're gonna see that wildfire, a movement of missional people around Spokane and in our church, if we're going to see people rise up and step out, we're going to have to be a little uncomfortable at times. And here's what Jesus told us in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and I read this, and it's a little bit uncomfortable. And it's exciting, but it's also a little uncomfortable. Let's read this together. Then Jesus came to them, his disciples, and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is what's called the Great Commission, what Jesus left his disciples with. It sounds exciting, but it's uncomfortable because in order to see this done, people are gonna have to be bold in their faith and get a little uncomfortable at times. And if you identify yourself as a Christian, this is our calling. This is our calling in life right here to be missional, to see people's lives transformed by the saving power of Jesus Christ. And if we're gonna see this done in our church and in Spokane and around the world, we're gonna have to be bold in our faith and get a little uncomfortable. Jesus is asking for a movement among people, missional people, missional leaders to step up in whatever capacity they're in to see this great commission come to fruition. And we live in an hour that is just unprecedented. We live in this amazing hour where God is pouring his spirit out all over the world in ways that we have never seen before. The great commission that Jesus charged his disciples with more than ever is sweeping around our world. Research says that in China alone, for the last decade, 5,000 people a day have come to know the Lord. Some research says that 1,000 people an hour for the last decade in China have come to know the Lord. That's amazing. It's happening in, in Africa and it's happening in Europe, and it's happening in America. God is pouring his spirit out all over the world like he has never done before. And we get to live in that hour today. And God is looking for people to step up, to be missional leaders, missional people. God comes into a room just like this one and says, who will step up to see entire generations come to know me? to see entire cities be one and discipled. That is what Jesus was asking in the Great Commission, and he is still asking that now. Who will hear my call, and who will follow to see it done? There's a parable in the Bible where Jesus is telling uh, and talking about this king who's having a wedding, and he sends out these wedding invitations and all the people who gets the uh, invite, they have excuses on why they couldn't come. So the king gets a little frustrated. He sends them out a second time. And the people who got the invitations again had all their excuses on why they couldn't come. And then the third time, the king sends out his servants to go to the highways and, and just grab anyone who will come be a part of what the, the party and the wedding and uh, he sends them out, and some people show up. And this parable ends with this phrase, many are called, few are chosen. So what does that mean exactly? Well, it could easily be correlated to just heaven, on that many people will hear the gospel, but few will respond to it. But I think it has many more implications in our life than just maybe heaven and hell or something like that but our lives can easily reflect this parable. Always having excuses in our daily life and in our spiritual life. I'm too busy, I'm too tired, not enough money, 
not enough time. The list can go on, right? And you know what seems to be one of the most commonly things people come up with excuses for in their daily life? Helping others move. I don't know if you ever tried to get someone to help you move, but it's almost near impossible. And we had to move recently, so this is all very firsthand information. But uh, someone will come into a room and go, hey, I'm moving this Saturday. And everyone's like, oh, don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. And then the list of excuses are going through your head, you know, of like, why? Well, what am I doing on Saturday? What am I doing on Saturday? Uh, it's really easy to come up with excuses. And this happened to us recently. We uh, had to move. And so I, I had to send some invites out. And I was like, hey, who can help me move this Saturday? And everyone's like, oh, don't make eye contact with Nate. Don't make eye contact with Nate. And you know what's even worse than, than that is when people do a Facebook event and they're like, moving party. And they invite him, you're like, yay, so fun. Really what they're asking is, hey, will you come all day Saturday and get frustrated, hurt your back, get sweaty, sore, angry at one another? And you know what? I'm going to pay you with a few slices of pizza. <laughs> we had to do this recently. So. And I asked some friends, you know, hey, who wants to help me move this Saturday? And uh, I had two friends, my buddy John and Josh, and they're like, Nate, we'll help you move this Saturday. And I said, okay, you guys, I choose you guys. You guys are in. It can be extremely easy for us to make excuses for every time God invites us to be a part of what he's doing in this church. It can be really easy at times to have an excuse when God is, is asking you uh, to be a part of what he's doing in your family and friend's life. It can be really easy to have excuses when God invites us to be a part of what he's doing in your workplace. It can be really easy at times to have excuses when God asks you to step out. You know, oh, it's too awkward. I don't know how. I don't really know enough. I don't really have the time. But God is calling us to be a part of this great commission. This is our calling, to be a light to the world. So how do you be chosen? How do you be chosen to do something amazing and not just be called, but be chosen? If you want to be the light of the world and you want to be chosen by God to do something amazing, to be a part of a movement, you just say yes. You just say yes. God shows up into a place like this, and he invites us all. Who will help me start a movement? Who will help me see generations come to know me? Who will, will, will help me disciple nations? Everyone's like, don't make eye contact with Jesus. Oh, don't make eye contact with him. Jesus comes in and invites us all. You want to be chosen. You just say yes. And God says, fine. I choose you. You just say yes. Part of our mission here at Life Center North is inspiring others to say yes to God. But it first starts with us, doesn't it? You want to live a, a life boldly. If you want to share your faith boldly, all you have to do is just say yes. You just say yes. 
You say yes when you're at your work or school and there's a new person there that you know needs a friend. You just say yes when God asks you to get rid of some of your debt in your life. You just say yes when God asks you to start tithing. You just say yes when God asks you to start serving inside the church and outside the church. You just say yes when a friend or family member comes up to you and says, hey, why do you even go to church? Let me tell you why And let me tell you my story. You want to be a part of the movement that God wants to start the wildfire here in Life Center North. You just say yes. I remember when I was in high school, God started to change my heart. He told me to make some new friends, get rid of some other friends. And at this point in life, I had always separated church and school and friends. I had a really hard time mixing them. And I felt like God was saying, hey, I want you to start to be an example to others. And I want you to start sharing your faith. And I want you to start being bold in your school. So I felt like God was telling me this. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to start with one of my friends. I had a good friend. His name was Brian. And it was like really simple. I don't know. I just invited him to youth group once or twice. I invited him to a church camp. And then just like, he kind of took off with it. I didn't even have to do much work. He got in a Bible study that I had with my youth pastor at the time that we met before school. And then he got some other people to like disciple him in his life. And he helped start, you know, do ministry on his college campus. And it was easy. Like it, he just kind of took it and ran with it. I was like, oh, all right. That was nice. But at the same time, uh, I started noticing that it wasn't that simple with everyone. The same time my friend Brian was starting this really great relationship with Jesus, I was also talking to my girlfriend Chantel about Jesus. And Chantel uh, was a Mormon, and she's now my beautiful wife. But we started dating, and there was a lot of obvious differences in our faiths. And uh, so we started to discover and inquire about each other's faiths, And one thing that was apparent right away, very quickly and early on, was Chantel was not going to get saved anytime soon. That was apparent. So as God began to change her heart over the next three years, God used me in small ways over this time. But in order for God to open up some of these doors where I was able to kind of share with her that I, I had to change a little bit of my lifestyle. I could no longer just go through my daily life and not talk about these things. I had to bring these things up, things about my faith and who God is and what the Bible is and, and what he says about grace and all these various things. And, and it was really hard. It was awkward at times. I, I didn't know what to say most of the time. And the times that I thought I knew what to say, I never said them well. And so it was really kind of difficult and frustrating And there were many times I was put in uncomfortable situations over and over again. But as I look back on what God did in transforming Chantel's heart, he was also shaping my life in the process and my faith all along the way. Seeing what God did in Chantel's life and God growing a desire in me to share my faith with others and seeing how God transformed Chantel's heart was the very thing that led me into wanting to be in ministry. When our lifestyle changes, so do our priorities. I think it's really easy 
for, for us all to uh, think that boldness is just an event, that you have to be bold. You know that the pastor or your friend tells you, you got to talk to your friend or your family about Jesus. And so you kind of you know, get in this mindset of this one time, this specific event that's going to take place that I'm going to share with them about who Jesus is. But then you go on with the rest of your life just living how you've always lived, you know, going to the bar, sleeping with your girlfriend, you know, whatever it is. And in thinking that boldness is just going to be this one-time event. And then maybe you muster up the courage to start this conversation with a friend or family member or coworker, whatever it is, and it doesn't go the way you thought whatsoever. And you're like, oh, that was awkward and weird. I'm never doing that again. But real boldness is something we live out and not just do every now and then, but every day. Boldness is a lifestyle. Look at Peter and John in the Bible, for instance, in the book of Acts. Peter is a great guy. He had a lot of ups and downs. He was by no means the perfect disciple. And so I think he's really easy just to relate to in life because he had a lot of these ups and downs. He wasn't like the greatest communicator ever. And, uh, and so Jesus had left all his disciples with this great commission, go and change the world. And they're going, okay, thank you. And so I think Peter and John at this time, they're just going out into the streets just trying to do what they know. You know, there was no Bible at the time for them to read. So they're just going out in the streets talking to people about, hey, this is who Jesus was, and he offers this really great gift of grace, and they're just trying to figure it out. And the Pharisees kind of get word of that they're hearing that there's people still talking about Jesus. I thought we killed this guy. What's the big deal? And so they go and find Peter and John. And uh, they capture them, throw them in jail. They bring them before this council of the Sadducees. They're like the very religious leaders at the time. And uh, so they bring them before them. They start questioning them and trying to trap them in all these questions. And so Peter and John, they just start talking to the Pharisees about truth, speaking truth, and who Jesus was and what they did to Jesus by putting him to death. And they're kind of rebuking the religious leaders and they're just speaking truth into their life. And then the response that we read of the Sadducees in the Bible of what they were hearing is quite amazing. It comes out of Acts 4.13. It says, The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. First, notice two things from this verse. One, Boldly sharing your faith doesn't mean you have to know everything. Isn't that amazing? Boldly sharing your faith with your friends, family, or some religious leader doesn't mean you have to know everything. You don't have to have a PhD in theology. All you have to do is, just like Peter, is understand the concept of your story. Just like what Pastor Scott talked about last week. What has God done in my life? And who is Jesus? Just share and speak about what you know, just like Peter did. Here's what the Bible says. Here's who uh, uh, the Bible says Jesus is. And here is my story. You don't have to have a PhD. And second, they were men who were recognized of, of guys who had been with Jesus. Shouldn't we all live in a way where when we come in contact with others, they say, something's different about you. Shouldn't we all be recognized when we walk around by the way we talk, the way we walk, things we say, how we act, of people who have been with Jesus. The, the love of Jesus is living inside of us. 
that there should just be a way in our life and how we do things that we're just like dripping with Jesus swag. They just know there's something about this guy. I love how I can be an ordinary person, but at the same time marked by people of, that guy's different, changed. He's been with Jesus. And share with great boldness of what God's done in my life and what he can do for others as well. Yet, I say all that, but also too often Christians get stuck just with the second, the second of those two. I just want to live in a way that people know there's something different about me. That's it. I just want to be an example to my family and to my coworkers and to my friends. You know, you shouldn't have to be the preachy guy at the office. You, 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 I just need to love people, and I just want to love people and lead by example because, you know, faith without works is dead. So I just want to, like, you know, be an example to everyone. People that know me by what I do, not by what I say, because words are cheap, you know? Maybe you've heard this famous quote before. It's on Facebook, it's on Twitter, it gets posted, people say it. Uh, I'll put it up here for you. It says, preach the gospel, use words if necessary. I don't know if you've ever, have anyone ever seen that quote, posted, talked about anything? That was more than last service, but most of us have probably seen that quote or something very similar before. This quote is commonly attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. I think we can appreciate what many are getting at when they say something like this. As Christians, we should live in such a way that our lives point to the person and work of Jesus. But we can just call this quote for what it is, right? We can just say for what it is. It's just a cop-out. We can just call it what it is. It's a cop-out. You know, like, I don't have to talk to my friends anymore. As long as I'm an example, that's good enough. And then they'll kind of figure out on their own, like, and, they'll, and there'll be some, like, divinely ordained moment where they're like, will you lead me to Jesus right now? Yeah, I guess so. But it's just a cop-out, isn't it? That's just what it is. Let's just call it for what it is. I don't have to tell my friends, you know, and I do this all the time, too. I'm equally at fault at this. But, you know, there's more about just being a good example, and, and good intentions cannot overcome really two basic problems with this quote and its supposed origin. One is Francis never said it, and the quote is not biblical. If you do some simple research around this quote and who St. Francis of Assisi was, uh, you figure out that there is no record of Francis ever saying this. And he was actually a member of the preaching, preaching order at the time. And uttering anything close to this, he would have never done. In fact, everything we know about this man suggests he would not have agreed with his own supposed quote. He, he was actually well known for his preaching. And he loved to preach. And he would sometimes get up a, in, uh, a day and preach up to five times in a single day. We hear Christian phrases like this all the time, though, that kind of, point to something similar. In the modern day we live in, in this kind of postmodern culture that words are cheap. Everybody talks, you know. Actions speak louder than words. So as Christians, we kind of fall in line with what everyone else is doing. And at one point, 
that we had received the gospel in our own life, the saving power of Jesus, that we had heard it and someone had led us to the Lord, but then we come up with this idea that we don't really wanna go at it that way anymore, that really, instead of like hearing the gospel, let's come up with phrases like, uh, here's a, a one of be the gospel or live the gospel. We come up with phrases like that that seems like, well, as Christians, we should just you know live in a way that people will know, and that's it. Just don't be the guy on the, on the corner of the street with the bullhorn. Just live the gospel, man. Just live it out. But this good missional impulse here is helpful, yet the gospel isn't anything a Christian can live out, practice, or become. The apostle Paul summarized the gospel as the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus through whom sin is atoned for. Sinners are reconciled to God and the hope of the resurrection awaits for all who believe. Essentially, this is what the gospel is. Jesus loves us. He died for our sins. He rose again and he conquered death in the grave forever. And anyone who believes in Jesus has forgiveness and eternal life in him. The gospel is not habit. The gospel is history, something that actually took place and something that God himself continues to offer us. The gospel is a declaration of something that has already happened. And since the gospel is the saving work of Jesus, it isn't something we can do, but it is something we must announce. We do live out its implications, but if if we are to make the gospel known, we will do so through words. So I suggest we change this quote. And here's what I suggest we change it to. Preach the gospel, and since it's necessary, use words. Here's what Paul wrote about preaching and telling others in Romans 10, 13 through 14. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Don't get me wrong here. We as Christians must live in a manner that points people to the love of Jesus and point people to, to what transforming work can be done inside of us. We must boldly live out our faith in a way that people recognize there is something different in us. But remember the illustration, illustration that Pastor Mike did a few weeks ago with the candles, that we have passed out all the candles and just the section over here got to light their candles. Everyone else had to hold the candle not lit. Remember how you felt when you didn't get a candle lit. If we're just gonna stop of, at, at living our faith out and being an example, we're doing all the people not holding a lit candle a disservice. And more than that, we're not living out the calling God has placed on our life. We must boldly live. We must boldly share our faith and our story. We must preach the gospel and since it's necessary, use words. Let me share you uh, this story of uh, another friend I had in high school. And we met there, and we became good friends, and we continued to get with one another. We, we live a couple of states apart, but we still connect and still talk, and we still have a, a good friendship. 
But uh, this was a friend who was always really curious about my faith. And so he would always ask questions. We'd be, you know, playing out, uh, whatever, shooting hoops or whatever, and he'd just ask questions like, uh, what, do you think there's anything out there? Or do you really think there's a God in the heaven that, like, or somewhere out there that created everything? Or what about evolution? Or what about dinosaurs? You know, like, he was that friend. I don't know if any of you have friends that just love to ask, like, tons of questions and obscure questions. He was that friend. He always asked questions like that. And for the most part, I was always just like, I don't know, man. Like, who knows? God knows. (laughs) But uh, as God started to change my heart, I I wanted to start speaking a little more directly uh, to him about this. And uh, so this one time, we're out shooting hoops, basketball, and he says, Nate, you're a Christian, right? I'm like, yeah. He says, I'm not a Christian. So do you think I'm going to hell? And I was like, dang it, the one question I don't want my friend to ask me, you know, like, ah, what do I say? And so I just, the first thing that came to my mind was, man, I don't know if you're going to hell or not. Like, God only knows where, where we're going to end up in the end. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, for people who uh, receive the gift of salvation and grace and have a personal relationship with God, They'll be in heaven, and I've done that. So I feel secure. But the Bible says people who have not done that, in the end, the Bible does say they'll end up in hell. And so he proceeded to grab the basketball. He chucked it at my face, hit me, and just walked off because he received that as, hey, man, you're going to hell, bro. (laughs) And that wasn't my intention at all. My intention was just to start to share with him what the gospel is, that what Jesus has done and what he offers us. And I say that because sometimes we can do all that we can do, but we don't get to determine the outcome. God does. It it can be really devastating if you've ever tried to lead a a friend or a family member uh, to know Jesus, and and you, you stick your neck out, it's awkward, it's uncomfortable, you muster up the courage and boldness, and you offer it, and you never see any fruit from it. And then there's like these feelings of embarrassment and shame and guilt, you know, and, and we feel like we put all this labor in, and I want to see the fruit of my labor, and we think like if I do it right and I say the right words and I, and I present the gospel in the right way or as long as I'm bold, whatever, I get to determine the outcome of what's going to happen here. And it's just not that way. We get to play our part, and we have to play our part. But God does the rest. God determines the outcome. All we get to do is share our story and share who Jesus is. But he does the rest. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 10, 14. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. You know what? It's okay if you don't get to see the fruit right away. Remember, boldness is not an event that takes place that we get to determine the outcome. Boldness is a lifestyle we choose to live that changes our priorities. Boldness is a way we live our life out and we play our part. But we have to trust that God has a plan and that we trust that he's working it. And don't just stop either. Just because you had that awkward moment or frustrating moment, you don't just stop. You dust off your feet. 
And you continue to move on. You continue to live boldly. You continue to share boldly. And you continue to say yes to God. And we have an opportunity as a church to not only start a movement among people here at Life Center North, but be a part of something so much bigger to what God is doing around the globe. I can only imagine what God could do with a thousand people in Spokane. Be amazing what God can do with a thousand people who will just say yes to him. I believe God can save our city. I believe God can change our families. I believe God can transform our schools and can unite our nation under him. I believe he can do those things. So I'll end with reading this Bible verse one more time. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What will you say to his invitation today? What will you say to his command? What will you say to the calling on your life? Will you live boldly? Will you share boldly? Will you live a bold lifestyle? Will you be a part of a movement God wants to start here at Life Center North? Will you say yes? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for your goodness. And I'm thankful for the saving work of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much that you love us, that you died for us, that in turn we get to live a life free from guilt, shame, and sin. God, that you've taken that. We thank you so much for that, Lord. I thank you for the gospel. It's not something that I just want to live out, but it's something that I want to announce to other people. God, and I pray over the church right now, Lord, that you would start catalyze passion within us, not to just stop at being an example to others, but that we would tell others about our faith, tell others about you, Jesus. And if there's anyone in the room right now that has never said yes to Jesus for the first time, that you've never had a personal relationship with Jesus, whether this is your first time coming to church or the millionth time, that if you've never said yes for the first time, inviting Jesus into your heart, I want to tell you the gospel one more time. And with everyone's eyes closed, head bowed, Jesus loves you. He died for you. He took your sin and nailed it to the cross. And he was buried in a grave and he conquered death and rose again. And the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. And if you've never said yes, and you want to say yes for the first time this morning, would you just lift your hand and then I'm going to pray with you? If that's you, and you want to say yes for the first time, just lift your hand. You're saying yes to Jesus.
that's you, would you just pray along with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, I put my trust in you. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for me. I believe in you. And would you forgive me of my sins? Would you come and be the Lord and Savior of my life? I want to walk with you for the rest of my life. If you just prayed that prayer, that is the best thing you've ever done. God, thank you for this morning. Lord, we put our trust and our faith in you as we leave here. God, we want to see the great commission happen in our day. God, would you pour out your Holy Spirit, not only in this church, but in Spokane and around the world. God, we want to be your hands and your feet, and we want to see nations come to know you. And would you use us as we say yes to you. Amen.